Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hi, I'm Les Raymond with The Mindful Movement. Thanks for joining me today for my first interview-style podcast. Now, as I've said before, I am new to this. I want to thank you for your patience while I kind of iron out the kinks of the technology. My first guest is a very special guest who I've known for a few years now. Her name is Diane Connolly. And this is also new for Diane. So uh, there might be a little room for improvement going forward with our audio, but I think it's plenty good enough. So uh, just keep an open mind, please. And there might be a couple noises here or there. And uh, just bear with me, and I assure you that over these next few episodes, I will smooth out the technology side of this process. But I'm really grateful that you tuned in today, and I look forward to your feedback from this discussion. I think it's a pretty cool discussion. You'll learn a little bit more insight about how my mind works, and there's a lot to learn from our guest today. She has a lot to share. She has 54 years of experience in her field, which I think very few people on the planet could say. And there's something special that comes out of that. Again, I thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, everybody. This is episode three in season two of the Mindful Movement podcast, and I'm your host, Les Raymond. And I want to thank everybody out there for joining me today. I have a my first guest uh, in this podcast endeavor, and she is a really special guest, very near and dear to my heart. Her name is Diane Connolly, and she is many things. Uh, she is the co-founder of Thai Sophia, which is now known as the Maryland University of integrative health, which I think, and you, she can correct me, Diane, if I'm wrong, but I think it was one of, if not the first acupuncture schools in this country a while back. Mm -hmm. She is also a human being in training. And maybe <laughs> after this conversation, that'll make a little more sense to you. And at some point, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Diane has been for me as a teacher and a mentor and a healer or someone that's allowed me to learn about my own healing abilities. And I'd like to introduce her now. Diane, please say hello to the Mindful Movement audience. Ah, uh, beloveds. And I dare call you beloveds. I mean it. You are beloveds, and you're here on this earth. You belong. You're good, and you are beautiful, exactly as you are. The Dalai Lama says there's no such thing as stranger. 
just a friend you haven't met yet. And so here we are meeting, beloveds. And we're meeting in this kind of unusual way of we get to hear each other, but not to actually smell each other or touch each other or uh, have all of our senses open to each other, which is one of the gifts of technology. But it's also one of the, what? I can't smell you. I mean, years ago now. It's quite a few years ago when I, I, one of my friends said, oh, I met a friend of yours on the internet and I gave him a hug for you. And I thought, what kind of hug is that? You can't smell it, smell it, feel it, taste it, touch it. And yet it's not nothing. So here I am hugging you, beloveds. And hi, Les. It's so good to see you. Really? And to be doing this dance with you. It's really quite fun. It's an adventure for me at age 74 to think, oh, I may be a baby boomer, and I may be as, but I'm learning Zoom right here, right now, with all of us together. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, Zoom, this Zoom thing is new for me, also, and oh. right now I'm quite grateful for it. I feel like it's one of these technologies that is allowing us to um, manage life a little better. And, you know, technology I've always found is an interesting thing. It's, it's like the accelerator. You know, I've, I've made an analogy in the past where a long time ago, if, you, if you've learned a lesson from a friend or a loved one, yeah, the rate in which you could pass that lesson along and help others could be decades. Like if your Uncle Sam teaches you something when you're a kid and you might not deliver that lesson to like when you have kids maybe 20 or 30 years later and and now with this technology for good and bad information can be accelerated so Mm -hmm. rapidly and if used with a positive intention it could absolutely make the world a better place now diane is an author she's written uh several books i can't remember them all so i'm gonna read these a little bit um author traditional acupuncture the law of the five elements all sickness is homesickness she's a co-author of alive and awake wisdom for kids and this book medicine words and we will link in the description to ways to access some of diane's work and uh, one thing that i've definitely learned fairly early on in my encounters with you, Diane, is this idea is, I think, as you say, as we put sound on breath, we, we shape our world. And that's been a really powerful lesson to me, teaching me that we have way more of a say of our interpretation of our experience than our past might lead us to believe. I was hoping that maybe you could explore that topic a little bit today Mm. to help people maybe see the value in the words not just the ones that we say out loud Mm -hmm. but the way we think in the words in our mind well you know it as you as you're speaking Les, i was thinking there are over six thousand languages on this earth So there are 6,000 different ways of putting sound on breath to make meaning. And that's what language is about. It's a meaning make. We make meaning. We say, so what? We do the Tao according to each of us. And the Tao according to me is what I put together, how life has lived me for all of these years. And the Tao according to you is how life has lived you. And it's not the same exact way. So each of us is bringing our offerings about how life has lived us. We are truly each in training. You could say that um, every wave is ocean. Every life is life itself. And so here we are. So there is no other you exactly you any place. There is no other other me exactly any place. And here we are on the same earth, sharing the sun, sharing the earth, sharing sharing the water, sharing the air. Really in one place. We're sheltering in place. We have been since we arrived here on this earth. Only thing is, now we're actually waking up to, wait, this is our place. This is our good earth. This is the place of uh, our being. It's not uh, an accident. It's not a parking lot. It's not a pathology. The earth is where we have our, our possibilities of knowing and loving and being with each other in training. 
as a gift to each other. And I, one of the themes of this conversation is gift. And one of the themes of the word language is that it's gift. The Sufis say, and the Sufi is the mystical tradition of Islam, they say things like, the first word is ah. All the other words are meant to be forms of that. That language is meant to be the presence of life as amazement, perpetual great astonishment. We look at something, we say, wow. We see something, we say, wow. Wonder how else we could look at this. The children say it like this in, the, in their cities. They say, word up, world be born. So whatever we say about something is that world. And it's just as easy to say a kind word as it is a cruel word. And I am not value neutral. I think it's better to say a kind word. And that it's not okay to say just any old thing. That we're here as the speakers and the listeners. Like right this moment, I'm speaking. And I forgot to ask you, and I forgot to ask the listeners, may I have your listening? May I have your listening, Les? You absolutely have my listening. and Thank you, because it's, it's an important, because I can't earn it from you. You don't owe it to me. And yet it's the listening that grants the speaking, because without the listening, there is no room to speak. And it's the speaking and the listening that we build the world together. I speak, you listen, you speak, I listen, and we say, word up, world be born. Let's have this world. Let's design this world. And let's speak what we say matters, and let's design it. Let's memorize this time that we are calling the coronavirus time and look and see what are the gifts from that? What, what is it that I know that I wouldn't be knowing? There's an old Chinese saying, it, it goes like this. It's like, so I think of it as a language needle. It says, um, my barn having burned to the ground, I can now see the moon. We don't want our barns to burn, but our barns burn. We have circumstances that we have to bear. And and the question is, what do I know that I wouldn't without that circumstance? What is it that I'm revealing? What is it that I'm seeing as I'm um, living in this day? This is April 10th in the year 2020. We haven't had it yet. This is it. We're living, we're bringing it into being together right this moment. And so we're designing it and creating it. What are we saying about it? And may I continue to have you listening? Yes, please. Um, I'm thinking that language which is what we're, right now we're using a language, I'm using English and you're, you're listening in, in English. There are 6,000 other ways of doing that, putting sound on breath so we can speak and build the world together. And so I'm thinking about how um, the, you could say the violinist, the virtuoso violinist uses the bow on her violin that we can use language in the same way. We can use language to bring forth the goodness and the beauty and the wonder of life, the awe of it all. In fact, grandmother wisdom says that if you haven't got something good to say, and everybody knows, then you don't say anything. You don't use language any old way. You can't say just any old thing must pay attention to that. Use it in the way a great violinist uses the bow on her violin. Use it to bring forth beauty and goodness and love and belonging. Use it to bring forth the virtues that we think matter, not just any old thing. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm re intent less in this conversation that we reveal that language is such, language matters. Language actually is what we mood ourselves with. I'm thinking of a story of um, a teacher and one of the students in the classroom, at the back of the classroom, the teacher was talking about how language matters, that we live in language together. And one of the students raised, raised his hand and he said, this is nonsense, language doesn't matter. And the teacher said, sit on and shut up, you son of a bitch. And the, and the, and the student sh shat was, and the teacher said, I'm very sorry. I did that so I could show you how language does matter. Because look at your body with what I just said. And watch and see how you just experienced yourself when I just spoke to you like that. So I actually created a kind of crisis for you in your, in your listening. And now I'm using language to apologize and to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. So that you can see that how we use language is building the world. And so... Um, that's kind of an example of, and here's, an, here's another wonderful 
I think of I, th I think of these as language needles. They're little uh, vignettes that help me live. That medicine, by the way, is whatever helps us live. And so these are little medicine uh, tools. They're little language needles. So um, just to interrupt for a moment, keep yeah. in mind, Diane out there is a for the use out for the audience out there. Diane is a very seasoned uh, acupuncturist. So she lives in the world of needles. <laughs> oh, so, yes. <laughs> Thank you for so that. That language needle might be related to <laughs> you know, all the hours of sticking people with them. And, and, I, <laughs> and I have been stuck by the needles, both the actual metal needles and many of these language needles along the way. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Les, for saying that. It's applied philosophy. Acupuncture is applied philosophy. And that the needle, I remember early on when I was first in practice, a girl came to me for treatment and she was writing an essay for her teacher about how Diane comes in, she holds my hand with her eyes closed, and then she puts a needle in. And the teacher didn't realize that it was acupuncture. So she thought, she does what? I mean, this was back in the days before acupuncture, in a certain way, is kind of mainstream now. When I started 54 years ago, it was we were way out on the fringe, and, and people couldn't even pronounce it, actually. And so, 54 years ago? i got to stop you there. Yeah. Uh, so just think about that for a moment. 54 years of experience in yeah. any practice is... Um, a lot of times around the sun. Yeah, it's, it's uh -huh. astonishing, and... The nuance that is probably, you know, and the depth that's picked up along the way uh -huh. really, I think, is very, like, clear when you're in your presence. And there's definitely a difference for any of you out there that go to any type of practitioner. There's something to be said for experience. And it's rare to find someone that's been doing something and chipping away at it for 54 years. Yes. Yes, and when we first started, we were, I mean, we've always been like a, um, a, a square peg in a round hole. Never quite fit, but never really intending to have, be a perfect fit because it's important that we keep designing and creating. And one of the things, Les, that I noticed at the very beginning, all those years ago when I first started, if a person came in with a headache and I put a needle in their foot, it created a whole new conversation. So like, wait, the pain is in my head and you're putting a needle in my foot? How is this? What is this? It already began to be a conversation about what is this body that we're living in? Do I take the same body to the dentist that I take to the dance floor? What is, what is, what's this construct of, because we're here bodied. And that's, uh, it's one of the great gifts. This is a holy body. This body squawks when it's necessary to squawk. And so that's what symptoms are. They say, you who wake up and, and, and as you wake up, let's look and see the gift and the wisdom of this holy body, this, yeah. this own body. I would like to share a little bit of my experience when I first met you because mm -hmm. it was definitely, uh, I was dealing with, I guess, symptoms or squawky bits. Yeah. Um, but just before I get into that, this idea of, you know, you made that reference of the teacher yelling at the kid. and Yeah. And I hope that was that everyone has eased their body from that. All the listeners have eased their body from it. Because I, I recognize that it's a, it's a fierce way of using language and it's intentional, it's purposeful as an illustration, as an example of how language really matters. And we, all we have to do is to look these days and listen to people using all, language in all kinds of ways and realize the pain and the sorrow and the, un, and the suffering the, uh, and the upset that goes with so much of the speaking these days. Yes, and you know, I, I definitely notice, as I've learned from you, and I witness this a, a lot, not just in myself, but around me, that the way we think, when we think, we're essentially thinking in a language. We're thinking in yeah. terms of words in our mind, and there's always, you know, there's no real separation between our thoughts and our body, so just thinking in in terms of words that don't serve us, like our body's gonna have a similar response. Now, it might not be as dramatic as when that teacher, you know, yells and 
public, but we're constantly shaping our experience by how we choose to construct these words, whether we say them out loud or they're just really in strings of thoughts in our mind. And with practice, we could really alter like our tendencies in which where if we're used to thinking things in a certain way and they have this kind of negative edge to them where we're looking for, you know, why is this wrong and this weed growing over here and what's wrong with, with this scenario. And with practice, we could choose to just construct our thoughts where we are looking for gifts or we are looking things in a different way. And just because we think of something a certain way in a moment, it doesn't mean it's the only way to see it. Like it's always, there's always, that's one way to look at it. Stop, look and listen (laughs) again and keep listening. What, how else could we see this? Absolutely. You know, the word lover and loser is only one letter different. It's a whole other story. It's a whole other conversation. And my son, when he walked into one of his classes one day, the teacher said, because he was late to class, he said, don't go back there and sit with the losers. And you could see in, in, in that moment, he constructed a world. First of all, that there were losers and that, that there were like failures and that there were some people who didn't belong. And just in that one word. And, and that all of the students, all of the children in that classroom shut down. They, they essentially said, I, he will not be my teacher anymore because in the presence of that word, the world that showed up was one of opposition, was one of war, was one of fight, was one of, um, skir- was one of um, p- painfulness to, to those who were called losers and those who were not called losers. But so everybody shut down. And then a teacher who loved to teach couldn't understand what had happened. He didn't understand that in his own speaking, he had been the occasion for those children to shut down their learning and their listening from him because of the word that he used. Don't go back there and sit with the losers. It's very different than say, don't go back there and sit with the lovers. I mean, don't, or, I mean he, he, he was not even realizing that he was constructing it. And so I'm underscoring with you that, that everything we say, everything said is said by someone. And the question is, who is that someone? What, is, what, are the perceiving, what are we perceiving and interpreting? Who is that someone that is the speaker? And, and so... Um, it's, um, yeah, the, word, the energy around words, we don't... It's so easy to go through life and not recognize how important they are. Sarah and I were at a uh, like a brief retreat once, and the the woman leading the retreat was giving an example where it was like a adult speaking to a, a child, and it was something along the lines of you have to do these chores or you have to go to school, and there was an energy around that that phrase mm-hmm. and it was compared to switching the word just a tiny bit and saying like you get to do these chores you uh-huh. get to go to school uh-huh. and it switched from like this burden mm-hmm. to this like gift this appreciation this built there's like a built-in sense of gratitude when you get to do something like you're here alive and yeah this is something you get to do and it was so subtle as far as like the number of letters you're changing in a sense. Yes, yes, yes. And, and another example of that, another great example of that is the question of what's wrong? Because what's wrong is going to be begging for some story about what something's wrong rather than what's happening. And so what's happening is you ask a child what's happening. It's different than what's, if you say what's wrong. So then they'll be looking to see, oh, what's, what is happening? And you can guide that. So what's happening? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel? What do you touch? You can land it. The, the fleshing of the examples of language, like the who, what, when, and where. Like this, so so you, it's putting the the design of the conversation into the speaker because the speak 
the speaking is not for the sake of the speaker. The speaker, the speaking is for the sake of the listener. That's what we're building the world. It's like Rilke, the poet, said, I built a temple deep in their listening. And so the idea, oh, that's why we're doing this podcast. We're kind of like peas in a pod. Two, a couple of sweet peas here, and the sweet peas are listening. And we're peas in a pod, building the world of life as sweet and good and beautiful and that we belong that we're we're not a mistake in any way that we aren't here we we have learnings to make we have we're beginners i mean beginner's mind is a really good phrase as as a reminding and remembering that we're here to be in the learning field yeah so i i'd like to let me just say something let let me use use this here's another quote see i use these are language needles these are ways of speaking that help me live i find them helpful so said um so yeah you go ahead well you you touched on something there the and i think it's a, a good entry point to discuss how uh i met you and Mm-hmm. my initial interaction with you this idea of um you know the difference of asking somebody you know what's wrong or what's good in the world and mm-hmm. you know I, when i met you i was dealing with some some symptoms i mean and put this in perspective for the audience i had uh was dealing with a rash it was soon after i i got um bit by a tick and contracted Lyme disease and it was affecting me in all these strange ways. And I basically had different forms of rash and eczema all over my body. So, I mean, we're talking head to toe. I'm I'm talking very consuming, very difficult to get from this moment to the next moment without thinking or dwelling on what I viewed as a pretty big Problem, and I had already gone through many local doctors working in like the Western medicine framework, and you know you have very short period of time with them, and it's generally this this process where it's like, what's your biggest complaint? And then they have this short window to find the right band aid to address that so it could so it could be somewhat of a productive meeting it's not really they're not coming from a framework where they even have the luxury of time to delve in and like where could this be arising from or what could this cause it's how do we treat this symptom and i was very well practiced at that time of being able to list all my problems and i needed to tell people look at all these problems i got yeah and I, and I remember when I met you, first of all, when I met you, I walked in the room and there was a, like a thickness to the energy in the room, like, a, like it was not a space of air and you and me. It was, it was like you could feel like there was an energy around you that I hadn't experienced. And it was, it was like walking into an experience, not a meeting with a practitioner to talk about things and it hit me right away when you walked in and there was a kind of a warmth that took over and i guess that's an energy that you had been cultivating for a long time that just kind of follows you around or something and it hit me and i knew that i was in the presence of something that was special and something i hadn't encountered before and I was ready to give you all my problems. And you know, these, these, this is the funny thing. I mean, I saw you once at first, I saw you once a week for acupuncture. And I'm dying inside to tell you about my problems. And you never asked me what they were. Like, there was, you didn't give me any space to go down that road. And it wasn't until about the fifth or sixth appointment. Now, keep in mind, these appointments are over an hour long. So, you know, we spent seven or eight hours together. Before you asked me, is there anything you'd like to work on? And it was almost like you were reluctantly asking me because you knew that I was, I want to tell you my problems. And there was never space. And then eventually I got you know, space. And that was a really important lesson for me to deal with my own desire to 
really express and make my negativity real and put it into the world and put it out there as some kind of reality and you know label it with all this wrongness and badness and needs to be fixedness and it was it was very skillful on your part i felt that the way you didn't let me there was no space to even tell you and then eventually you like caved and said is there anything you'd like to work on and when i talked about it and you know it was very obvious i have these i couldn't hide it you're sticking needles in me so there's skin exposed and there's you know i have rashes all over and you refer to them as you know squawky bits and you challenged me to like have a sense of gratitude and thankfulness to these like can you kiss can you kiss them and say thank you mm-hmm. uh which made and it took me quite a while of hearing these hearing this before i could shift my mindset to see these as some type of signal just like you know pain is a signal when you put your hand on a hot stove and you feel pain that pain is serving a very important purpose to tell us to take our hand off the stove and not do that and it got me to look at you know what are these bumps all over my body that itch like crazy telling me like what is what is there to learn here how can this serve me in a positive way and it really planted a seed of a practice of searching for gifts and i i even remember and i'd love for you to touch on this topic you made it clear to me that this was my burden to bear and i think this is very relevant for what everybody's going through now cuz we're all kind of sharing a burden now but that this was my burden to bear and it was not I think you phrased it is it was not private. It was not. No, it was, it pers- was personal, but not private. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say burden either. I would say curriculum. So this is your curriculum. This is your part of the training that you're in training with. What is it that life is asking of you that through you then belongs to all of us as you dance with whatever life is living you, whatever training you're in belongs to all of us and so so and now now that i guess the whole world on some level is is in it together yeah. sharing i guess not a burden but a, a, a new curriculum some, poss- like, some possibilities we haven't seen yet we could call them problems but then then we're working on problems and then that's hard work that's effortful but if we call them possibilities there's nothing more intoxicating than possibility it's like and what else do we do and what else is possible and 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 you know i remember zorba the greek you I, you probably read the book a lot of so all of the listeners in zorba the greek zorba says to this young man from the city he says to him, "You know, young man, you have everything, but what you need is a little madness." And then at which point Zorba took off his clothes and ran into the ocean naked, and reminding us that we have to actually wake up to our puniness and to go bold and to go big and to see the other possibilities. And he used the phrase, "What's so intoxicating as possibility? Life as perpetual great astonishment. Perpetual." Great astonishment, moment by moment by moment by moment. And we are in that. This corona is making sure that we're in this perpetual astonishment. And we're in it together. And it's not a Pollyanna. It's not a feel-good. It's like, what do we say about this? What do we construct about this? What will we design and create toward the future with this? Will we go back to business as usual? No, it's not possible. The first thing we have to do is memorize this moment memorizing what is it that I'm holding dear, that I'm learning in this learning field? What, what is it that I know that I wouldn't without this? And, and that's, so that's where the poem I was going to say to you before from Rumi, the Sufi poet. And he says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. So we're meeting in this learning field. It's not about right and wrong. It's about how do we design the world together? 
out beyond. It's a mistake-free zone. Everything's on the way. It's not in the way. It's part of the way. How do we design with it? How do we mm. welcome it? How do we make not just lemonade out of lemons, but really delicious, wonderful, whole new possibility lemonade, whole new possibility of what these lemons could look like as a gift? Because one of the things, as you were saying before, that's that if I'm squawking about my body, if I'm in complaint, my body's listening. My body says, oh, she doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. He thinks I'm bad. And do you know how many we're walking around worried, worried about ourselves, worried about our breasts, worried about our uterus, worried about it. We're worried. We're worried sick. For the and record, I am not worried about my uterus. <laughs> no, you know what? That's okay. Because I will have ovaries to the wall and you will have balls to the wall. Still, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be in commitment I, together. I, I love that it's on the way, not in the way. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot built in there that could be mm -hmm. useful in any scenario. In any scenario, because whatever comes up, it's like, here's another poem from Rumi that I know you want to stop me to say, but let me say this. No, no. I, here's one of the poems that comes from Rumi. Again, this is a good use of language. This is using language the way the great violinist uses the bow in her violin. So he says, it's, the poem is called The Guest House. And it's every morning, this being, the first line is, this being human is a guest house. First of all, just think that thought. This being human is a guest house. Did I wake up this morning realizing here I am one more day in creation and realize, oh my God, I'm in the guest house. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. Whatever comes, welcome it. Invite it in. It too is a teacher. As a way of being, what amazing way of being is that? Rather than to be in a fight, rather than to be fault finding and complaining about this holy body. This is our only body. It's our holy only body. It's our condition for being without which we wouldn't be here. And so, and, and we don't know which is first. None of us knows. The listeners that are here, you and I speaking together, none of us knows which is first, our death or tomorrow. We know we're here now. And we know that we've been passing a silent anniversary every year. It's not the day, it's not a day that we will know, that we will remember, but life will remember. Our friends and families, those who know us, will, they'll be saying things like, oh, I miss that smile on his face. I, this is where great love poetry comes in, like, um, like the poem In Memoriam. It says, oh, for the touch of the vanished hand and the sound of the voice that is still. It's a kind of lament that here we are in this dance together, but not really paying attention to that here we are together. And so we're having to pay attention. It's one of the great, I say great gifts, and I don't mean it as a Pollyanna, but as a, one of the great gifts is Corona, and Corona is called crown. It's a coronation. When we're born, most of us are born head first, and it's called the crowning. We are noble. We are majestic. We are the, the, the kingdom, and, we're, and, so, and we forget that this is we're the, the crowning. We, we forget to put on our forget that we're wearing our, uh, our invisible crowns and that we are here creating and designing the world as a kingdom. And the Chinese character for kin, for king, is bowing servant. Isn't that amazing? It's not just the king of the king. It's the bowing servant that says, here you are, my kingdom. How shall we design today? What will we put together? I'll say this, you listen to that. You say that, I'll listen to this, and we'll build the world together. All of our concerns, lest this is really a dazzler, I think, all of our concerns are in our language. And Heidegger, the, the, the philosopher, he said, our forgetfulness of being is in our speaking. I forget that I'm here because words are falling down like rain all day long. And I forget, wait a minute, I can construct this speaking. I can construct this word, exactly what you said before. Not what's wrong. How can we fix it? That's too small. That's a complaint. But what's possible? How can we create it? That's an opening. That's a possibility. So we use language to really open the door and say, okay, what will we design and create here together? There's one of the, here's another really important dazzler, I think, is that we cannot see our own faces. We never will see our own face except by reflection. So 
your face belongs to me, to my eyes, to my, whatever way life has lived you already belongs through you to all the rest of us. So you become the champion for all the squawky bits and whatever you've turned, like instead of complaining, because you no longer complain, you actually turn, instead of uh, rehearsing the negative, you don't do that anymore. You actually realize, oh, I was rehearsing the negative and your body was listening and saying, oh, he doesn't love me. And so squawking even more because because our bodies want to know that we love them. This is our condition for being and that we're not ho-humming any part of it. We say, thank you. Thank you, eyes that I have to see with. Thank you, ears that I have to hear with. Thank you, flesh that I have to touch life with. Thank you. Thank you, beloved body. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No. I remember um, when I was getting treatment from you, I remember you speaking about when I, you know, I felt unwell. Yeah. And it, it was an idea of like wellness never left you is more of a forgetting. Yes. And I think that this is what, what one of your books, all home, all sicknesses, home sicknesses mm -hmm. references mm -hmm. this idea that, um, you know, like you are deeply well, always have been, always will be. It's mm -hmm. just easy to forget and laying on well, a table and getting. Well, it's not easy. We're, we've learned to forget. We've, we're practiced we're, at forgetting. Right. We're, we're actually committed to forgetting. It's a kind of an addiction to be committed to forgetting. Oh, I forgot. Oh, look at me. I did it again. And going into the drama of that rather than no kidding. What is it I'm forgetting? I'm forgetting that I am deeply well, that I'm not, uh, that I'm not in any way, um, miss, 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 I, I was born, I was, we were all born helpless. We weren't born sick. We were born, we couldn't, we didn't, we didn't walk, we didn't talk, we didn't, we, but that's all helplessness. It doesn't mean we're sick. It doesn't mean it's a pathology. It just means that we're here in the learning field together. And so we've had, we've had to learn to take on walking. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful to me than watching a toddler learning to walk for the first time. Those are like the wobble that goes on with it and then the falling down and then everybody clapping and saying, you can do it. We don't ask each other to jog as soon as we take our first steps. We actually appreciate exactly that word you were using before of appreciating that, oh, nobody can give the child walk. They have to take it on themselves, but we can remind the child that she can learn how, that she can know how, she can learn to talk, she can learn to walk. She, all the things that we didn't know when we were born into the arms of our beloveds, when we came into the world, and then we began to take on the distinction and be, be in the learning field and said, here I am and here you are. And here we can learn together. We can help each other learn. Medicine is whatever helps us live. And we're here to help each other learn to make the offerings that are ours to make the training that we're in together to say yeah that's a lot you have to bear and you know what you're up to it you must be because life is asking it of you and so what do you know that you wouldn't without that teach us it's kind of like maya angelou says whatever you get give whatever you learn teach it's a really important instruction whatever you get give whatever you learn teach because then you'll have it even more and one of the things that I know as a human being, being of the human sort, I could say a two-legged here on the <laughs> earth, there, there are seven and a half billion two-leggeds, not to mention the four-leggeds and the fins and the beaks that were here all together with it. And the two, seven and a half billion two-leggeds. I'm, I'm partial to the four-leggeds. Yes, I know you have pets. <laughs> and that they're, because they're good medicine for you. They help you live, don't they? Uh, yeah, absolutely. When she when she wags, and she and she wags her tail, does that remind you that that's a practice for you too? Wag your tail. It's a lot easier to feel better when you're wagging your tail, and a lot easier to bear the squawky bits when we're wagging our tail and for, and and really being having some joy and some lightness of being. Joy is actually one of the best medicines. Joy, so smile, putting a smile on our face since you can't even see your own face. That smile that I see on your face right now through the Zoom camera actually belongs to me, belongs to all the rest of us that can see that. And so, you're, we're, so we belong to each other already and we're actually palling up with one another in whole new ways. And we're palling up, we're doing it even from a distance, like this whole thing about distancing, you know, like being able to be six feet apart and yet know that we don't end up and begin at our skin. 
we're actually here touching each other through a whole new way, a whole new possibility and opening to this holy body, this only body that is ours. And that we can design from this. I was just reminded about, you know, in your treatment rooms, there's generally a window and yeah. you're laying on a table and there, you know, I, I'd go in early and I'd lay down and I'd try to chill out a little bit before you come into the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I'd be, I don't know, in a grumpy mood or whatever and glad I'm there. And like you'd, you'd walk in and, you know, I'm all geared up to tell you how grumpy I am. And you, I guess you could probably see it and you would look out the window and you would just talk about the nature out there. Like as if you could see, I'm ready to, to fire away my complaints and you would kind of force a smile and force joy to like, just like reroute the, the, the energy of the room to look at this tree and look how it's flowering and the springness or the, whatever the season is. And, and it was, it was so useful because we, we need reminding. And like, even earlier I was touching on the idea of, you know, you, like what you said, you, you commit to forgetting how well you are and you make that a practice. And it was almost as if acupuncture sessions were an opportunity. Like it's not so much about, needles it's that you need to lay down and be still if someone's going to stick a needle in you it's a time to to pause and create space for the remembering yeah. so that there's space now where there's nothing else going on because you have a you have a freaking needle in you or many <laughs> and you're not going to get caught up with the everyday shenanigans that we all have to deal with like you're still you don't have options about that and now you can create space in your stillness for all these other things to arise. One of being remembering, you know, how great life is and how grateful you are and how well you deeply are. And that allows the body to heal. I don't know if a little metal needle can really do any healing, but what it can do is it could set you in a space where your body could resume back to what it's designed to do. And the body already knows how to heal. Uh, yeah, so, so that's what I want to uh, underscore here. It's not the needle. The needle is the yoo-hoo that reminds you of the deep well of being that you already are. The well of being is already who you are. And here's, here's a, another language needle from another piece of poetry from Rumi. When he says, sit down and be quiet. You're drunk and you're at the edge of the roof. Really an important reminder that we are wildly out of observer. We can hardly even see and to say, what's possible here? Because there's no space. I've got it already filled up with my opinions and my um, blamings and my guiltings and all, we've got it filled up already. So hardly even see it. And Emily Dickinson says it this way. She says, A word is dead when it is said. Some say. I say it just begins to live that day. When I use a word, that word then is born that day. That world is born that day. If I'm awake and actually designing what I speak. A word is dead when it is said. Some say. I say it just begins to live that day. Does the word love, for example, have any room, any space in it for us to design a whole new possibility of how we are together and who we are together? Does it take a crisis like a coronavirus to wake us up? It's one of the things in these 54 years of practice less that I've noticed, and you've actually just underscored this, is that we actually wake up when we get a squawk. We wake up. Because a breakdown, is like, it's kind of like a flat tire in a car. We don't even know we're driving the car until there's a flat tire. And they say, oh, my God, I'm driving a car. It's kind of like a tranquilized obviousness, how we're, we're waking. The squawky bits actually wake us up. They're yoo-hoos. They're wake-up calls, you could say, from the soul that says, you're still here. Could be otherwise. One day it's going to be otherwise, but not yet. You're still here today on April 10th in the year 2020. Here you are. Now, what are you going to do with that? What will you design? What will you speak? 
How will you be? What world will we have for the children? Because this is one of the really important distinctions in life is that we are not here for the sake of ourselves. And that we're here sitting there with you, sitting with me, sitting with each of our listeners. There, is, there are the ancestors, the tribes that they come from, the elders, the parents, the parents' parents, and the parents' parents. And that we're here to honor them. And sitting with, with the elders and the parents are the next generation, the children. And all the children are ours, whether we have them through our world womb or the personal womb. They're all ours. And so we're here to serve the children the children's children, and the children's children's children. That would be your great-great-grandchildren. So we're here to honor the ancestors and serve the next generation. We're here to honor and to serve. Am I looking from that perspective when I design my speaking? When I wake up in the morning and realize here I am one more day in creation, and it could be otherwise, and one day it will be, but I'm still here. What will I do with this being here? What will I do with this holy breath today? What sound on breath will I make so that you know and I know that we know together we're building the world and that it matters. If the children are going to have a world, we have to pay attention to the seriousness of what we put together in this. James Baldwin says it like this. He says, we have to be really clear-headed about each other because we are each other's only hope. And so realizing that we're here on this earth, seven and a half billion, one earth, one sun, one water, one air, we're sharing it or not. We could actually, we could go the way of the dinosaurs. I mean, we're in, in a certain way, we're kind of in danger of that. Because, of, of, you know, human beings, one of the things that I'm dazzled by is that the waters are clearing now that human beings are not polluting it so much. The air is clearing. The, 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 that nature is actually saying, I'm still here. And, it's, and so pay attention. Wake up, beloved. Wake up, two-leggeds. You know, the world could do without the two-leggeds. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, uh, I've definitely heard uh, on my last podcast, I actually talked a little bit about like some, mm -hmm. I guess they're not so surprising when you think about it, but some of these mm -hmm. gifts that are arising out of this current pandemic yeah. situation that the earth seems to be healing in many ways. And there's, it's almost, it's, it makes me think almost like as a human race, like we have to... Mm. hit rock bottom almost to, to change directions like an addict that hits rock bottom before they decide to get better or it's like that big wake-up call of of you know it can sound like oh cancer it can sound like oh inside i mean all of the labels that we use are the wake-up calls are the calls that say you who this could be otherwise i wonder how i wonder what's possible here how can we do this so i want to tell you the two stories, uh, one is that three umpires who go to the bar for a beer, very important story here. Listen up, listeners. <laughs> three umpires go to the bar for a beer. The first one says, I calls them like I sees them. The second one says, I calls them like they is. And the third one says, they ain't nothing till I calls them. So the use of language to design the world and to say, here's what I'm calling this. Here's what I'm saying about this. Let's look and see, what should we say about this? What does the world need to hear us say about this? They ain't nothing till I calls them. And I remember when there were six children, six little children in the Amish country who were killed in a, little, in a schoolhouse one day. And that community came together. It was a horrifying circumstance. We had to bear it because that's because we had to bear that, because that's what we have. We have to bear. We're in training to bear the sufferings. Question is, can I do it with grace and gratitude? And this, this community of folks, the parents of these children, came together and they said, what shall we say about this? Not, not squat, but what shall we say about, what does the world need to hear us say about this? Hmm. And they proceeded to design the conversation about their children and, and what the world needs to hear. And then they proceeded to also forgive the, the, the man who did the killing, who was also shot himself and killed. Nobody won. It was not like, you know, like a winner. And it was, here we are having to bear this. How do we do that? And, and how do we help each other design the conversations that are big enough to live in? And, it, and a big enough conversation actually helps us 
realize that here we are, it's on the way, not in the way. What shall I make of it? What, what meaning will we make out of this? And what will we create as a world for the future? There are horrifying circumstances. That is, um, that is a great, <laughs> that is a great way to put it. Um, I, I wanted to, I know you have, um, a finite amount of time to work with. I want, I'm a big, um, I'm a big fan of the idea of practice. And one thing I would like to do with this podcast is allow our listeners to share and, and learn from others to see what practices they have in their routines, whether they're daily or, or whatever that you rely on to help you kind of navigate your life. Like what are the practices that are your medicine mm -hmm. personally? Is there anything you could share that you feel is something that you is your go-to or you, something that you lean on, especially in times, in times of, of suffering? Yes. Um, I sing. And here's an example. I think it comes from the kinks. But when I wake up in the morning and I realize here I am one more day in creation, it could be otherwise, will that one day be otherwise. So I sing this. Thank you for this day, this lovely day, this sacred day you give us. So I'm remembering it's like a praise song for the day praise song for the day and Obama in his second inauguration had a, a poet there named uh, Elizabeth Alexander and she wrote a poem called praise song for the day that was the poetry for this country um, uh, on that inauguration praise song thank you for this day this lovely day this sacred day you give us so it's not forgetting to base to be thankful to say thank you one of the great Christian mystics said, if the only two words we ever say as a prayer are thank you, it would be sufficient as a way of being, life as thank you. And so being grateful, gratituding, gratituding, enjoying, smiling and saying thank you. So that's one thing. So here, but he, and here's another, here's, this is another form of song. So I intend that those who are listening um, really get this the lyrics of this song, the children who are auditioning for the Harlem Children's Choir sing this as their song, their audition song. So may I have your listening, Les? Oh, absolutely, you have it. So it's, here we go. How can anyone ever tell you you are anything less than beautiful? How can anyone ever tell you you are less than whole. How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. How could anyone ever tell you you are anything less than beautiful? Could anyone ever tell you you are less than whole? Could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. And beloveds, that's, that helps, that's medicine that helps me. Medicine is whatever helps us live. Those words and that singing, and singing this one helps me live. It helps me to know that we're here for the sake of each other, to help each other live. And I know that you are only really deeply well when you're helping somebody else. I know that. And I know that if I shut down even a little bit, I don't feel as well, and neither do you. Mm. So when we shut down rather than look to see, what, what offering can I make? So this is some of the medicine that I use. And including, the, that's why I use these three, these one-liners. Here's another one that I find very powerful to help me live. Three people who do the same work were asked the question, what do you do? Same work. Ask the question, what do you do? First one says, I lay bricks. The second one says, I earn a living. And the third one says, I'm building a cathedral. Same work. Question is, what do I say about it? What do I construct to say about it? If I forget I'm building a cathedral, I may actually burn out laying bricks. 
or forget that it's just not, not about earning a living. I'm building a cathedral. I'm about building the world here. If I forget that, and it's on me not to forget that. That's my wakefulness about being alive. And that's a practice that I have saying, I'm building a cathedral. What cathedral? Who will know themselves as good and beautiful because I'm here today? And you're one of the, the intentions lessons that you know yourself as good and beautiful, as belonging here on this earth, as not a mistake in any way. And that's what I intend for the listeners as well. A temple deep in their listening about being good and beautiful and not a mistake. And waking up to new ways of being. That's what we're, we're learning together. Some people could, it's a fancy word called, you know, like, well, it's just a fancy word called waking up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for that. I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thanks for joining and sharing some of your gifts to our listeners. Uh-huh. Um, Diane, if any, we're going to link in the show notes here so yeah. that people could access your books is there any other thing you'd like to add as far as if people wanted to reach out and contact you, how they can do that? Or um, I know you practice in person in Maryland, but right now I assume you're not practicing in person. Uh, due no, to- I have not. I, 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 I'm practicing with language, practicing with words. Each word is a language needle. Okay. Which, by the way, I, I would I would say this: um, the, the poet laureate for the United States, Stanley Kunitz, at 105, was made poet poet laureate. One of his poems is called "Passing Through," and in that poem, he's got a dazzling one-liner that says, "Gradually, I'm changing to a word." So what is that word? What word are you in practice with? What word am I in practice with? So if today was my last day, I would be saying that word as my response to the call is coming and I have to go now. Thank you for um, that. Yes. And the, and the, and the place, I, th- I think, why not? Does it, does it make sense to give my email address? Diane Connolly one at Gmail. Uh, well, you just did, so. <laughs> but it's Diane Conley one O N E, not one like the number. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, and we will we will link to that in the show notes also for any of you out there that want to reach out um, and connect with Diane. We will put that in the show notes. So look out and for say that. that. You heard this? That you heard? Or you heard Les and I speaking together. This has been great. I do miss seeing you in person. I look forward to when the dust settles and we could meet again and um you could create some stillness in me with your magic needles and in the meantime i'm going to wish you real you know as as well as possible i'm sure you will find ways to add joy to your life during this pandemic and we're sheltering uh, in place yeah and i hope all our listeners out there could get something out of this conversation to help you observe how you are choosing your words and if there's any room to choose them with a little bit more wisdom so that it helps support you more and maybe dissolves a little bit of the underlying fear that we're probably all exposed to right now and see if you could add a little bit more of ease and beauty in your world using these strategies. Use your use your anxiousness as a teacher to transform it into love. There you go. So I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, stay tuned. And we will be rolling more of these out. We wanted to do this in person. It was scheduled to be in person, but the circumstance is what it is. So it is Zoom. I hope the audio is good enough. As you guys know, I'm very new at this. I will continue to practice and try to improve this the technology side of it. So I appreciate your patience and understanding along the way. I hope everybody has your willingness to be a beginner. I am a beginner here. I hope everybody has a terrific day. And if you have anything you'd like to share that you think um, is relevant to this conversation that you think our audience could benefit, please let the community know. Oh, wait, wait, I can't. There was, remember, I was going to do one more thing. Sure, do one more thing. Okay, because I found this before coming today, and I think it's an incredible piece of human being writing. It's written in English, although the person who wrote it is 
Spanish. His name is Pablo Neruda. And the poem is called Keeping Quiet. So listen it as all of us together alone in this sheltering in place this moment. He wrote it in 1950. Now we will count to 12. To him, 12 meant number one. And we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales and the man gathering salt would look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars with gas Wars with fire, victories with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk around with their brothers and sisters in the shade, doing nothing. What I want is not to be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it is about. Life is what it is about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count up to 12 and you keep quiet, and I will go. Pablo Neruda. Thank you for that, Diane. You're welcome. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you guys have a terrific day. Well, that wraps up today's episode. I wanna thank you again for tuning in and listening to it. I hope you found value out of that conversation with Diane and myself. And if you did find value, please share it, especially if you think there's someone out there that you think could benefit from this discussion. Um, you know, share the gift and spread the word. And if you like what we're doing here so far, if you wouldn't mind going to your podcast review section and just offer a review and give us some feedback, I'd greatly appreciate it. And please reach out to us if there's any topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast or if you feel that there's a guest out there that you think that our audience would really benefit from and appreciate, then please share that with me and I'll do my best to recruit that guest. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I'm grateful for your listening and I hope you have a terrific day.